So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold, and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. To the king, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And greetings from your brothers and sisters in Christ in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I'm not proud to admit it, but once in a blue moon on a lazy Sunday afternoon, I'll be flipping through the channels on the TV and I'll settle on a reality TV show. I know, it rots the brain. But I recall one particular afternoon in which I settled on a program in which an angsty 20-something reality star was crying at her kitchen table. You see, her longtime boyfriend she had discovered had been cheating on her. And so as she sobbed and wept and her mom sat there trying to comfort her, she said something rather thought-provoking. She said, I just don't know what I could have done to deserve this. I'm a good person. Now we hear things like this all the time, and so we hardly stop to register when we do hear someone say, I'm a good person, or that person is a good person. In fact, we tend to think these things ourselves, don't we? when you run into trials and hardships. Why did this have to happen to me? I'm a good person. 
but is that true? Are we good people? Well, the short answer is that by nature, we are not good people. So what hope can we have? Why are we so surprised when sin and its consequences enter our lives and overtake us? What are we to do in this seemingly hopeless situation that we find ourselves in? Well, the answer can be found in our text for this morning because our text contains God's guide to goodness. Step one, get honest about yourself. Step two, get educated about God. And step three, get glorified in heaven. We ask that the Spirit would bless our meditation. Now, before we proceed any further, I'd like to take a moment to elaborate on these theme and parts for this weekend. If you look at the first two parts, you'll notice that they are imperatives. They are commands, things that we do, and they are things that we must do in order to reach that part three, get glorified in heaven. But I must point out that without God's intervention in sending his Holy Spirit and revealing to us these truths in his word about ourselves and about himself, that plan would be dead on arrival. It is only because of the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification that we are able to do any of these steps, because we on our own cannot do one thing to contribute to our coming to faith and following God's guide to goodness. In fact, by ourselves, we couldn't even realize the gravity of the situation that we are in. And that's why it's so important that we get honest with ourselves. In our text for this morning, we find a man that is quite deluded about his condition before God. He was a rich man. He was a ruler. He was a Pharisee. He had wealth, power, and prestige. From the Jewish perspective of that day, there would have been no doubt as to this man's righteousness. You see, they believed that God rewarded righteous behavior with earthly prosperity. And this man had that in spades. And yet, this man had a certain level of uncertainty about his salvation, which drove him to Jesus, who was undoubtedly a godly and moral man. He seeked answers and assurance. This young man asked Jesus the simplest and most important question he could have. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? You see, the Pharisees considered themselves masters of God's law. And so when Jesus told this young ruler what he must do, he no doubt recognized all of the things that Jesus enumerated, as I'm sure many of you did from our Old Testament reading today. The Ten Commandments, God's moral law for mankind. It was written in the stones on the top of Mount Sinai. It's recorded for us in Scripture today, and it is engraved on the heart of every man. So no matter how good this young, rich young ruler thought, that he was, no matter how clean and righteous he appeared on the outside, he knew inside that he was not good enough. He would have readily said with much of the world, what did I do 
to deserve this? Why can't I have salvation? I am a good person. And yet his conscience condemned him. He said to Jesus, All of these things I have kept from my youth. What more do I lack? And with one command, Jesus shattered that illusion of self-righteousness. Go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. The young man realized that he had not loved God with his whole heart. He had not loved his neighbor as himself. His God was money. This man had thought that he was good, and Jesus forced him to get honest about himself. And when we look at Exodus chapter 20, when we look at Jesus' words here in Matthew 19, when we look at the rest of Scripture and within our own hearts, we too have no choice but to get honest with ourselves. We know that we are not good. In fact, we are bad, evil, wicked. 1 John 1 says, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. We lament with the Apostle Paul, For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. So what then? Should we go away saddened like this rich young ruler because of our failure to fulfill God's commands? Should we consign ourselves to this hopeless predicament we find ourselves in and eat and drink for tomorrow we die? Absolutely not. If the answer does not lie within ourselves, we must look outside of our sinful bodies and our wicked nature. We need to get educated about God. Where better to look for these answers, to educate ourselves about God, than to look in his inspired word? We can and should read through all of God's holy scripture, studying the complete counsel of God. But for today, let's focus on portions from just our other scripture readings. For example, in the psalm for today, Psalm 86, you can look it up and you'll see that David prays for deliverance on account of one fact. He says in verse 2, where he says, Preserve my life, for I am holy. Now we know that King David did not live up to the standard God lays out for man in his law. We read in scripture about the time that he committed adultery with Bathsheba, how he had Uriah the Hittite murdered, how he did not trust the Lord and he carried out that sinful census as recorded in 1 Chronicles 21. By God's standard, King David was not righteous, not perfect, not holy, not even close. And neither are we. How often do we fall prey to the lusts of the flesh? How often does the urge to injure our neighbor in word and deed lead us to hate and violence. How often do we fail to trust God, especially in a world that seems to be turned upside down by political turmoil and disease? But there's hope for us in these words of David as recorded in Psalm 86, because despite himself, David was holy 
in the eyes of God. We see in verse 5, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. Verse 7, For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. And verse 13, For great is your mercy toward me, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. What great works has God done? How does the perfect and just God of all creation look on us sinful beings and see holiness? Well, we read about it in Ephesians 2. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, the greatest lesson that the Bible has to teach us is that when it comes to our redemption from sin, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Christ has done everything for us. We have been made holy, washed in the blood of the Lamb of God. Because Jesus, being tempted in every way in which we are tempted, kept the law of God perfectly, he was holy and blameless before his Father. And this made him the perfect sacrifice for our sin, for your sin and mine, for David's sin, for the sin of the rich young ruler, and for the sins of the entire world. When Jesus went to the cross, he traded his perfection for our imperfection. He became sin for us and suffered hell in our place to the end that God now does forgive us our every transgression for his son's sake. By faith in Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we believe in the resurrection from the dead which we just celebrated. And you can trust in that promise when he says, because I live, you shall live also. This is what makes that question of the rich young ruler so out of place. He asked Jesus, What good thing must I do to have eternal life? And the fact is that nothing can be done or must be done on our part to merit salvation. Scripture educates us that all of these things have already been accomplished completely by the Son's redeeming work. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what remains then? Now that God sees us as good, holy, clothed in the robes of the Son of God, is that the end of the road? Having been educated about God and his word, we now live for him in the knowledge that we will get glorified on the last day. Having seen the rich young ruler leave in sorrow because he realized his love for material possessions outweighed his love for God, Peter says to Jesus, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? Well, Peter was still young in his faith. He still squabbled frequently with the other disciples to try and jockey for a better position in the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus here does not rebuke Peter, despite his desire for glory. 
while his motivation may have not been quite what it should have been, yet Jesus keeps the focus of the sheep of his flock on the blessings laid up for all believers in Christ in heaven. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, that was probably music to Peter's ears, getting to judge the scribes and the Pharisees who spent so much time judging Christ and his followers. Well, our sinful flesh kind of loves that idea too, doesn't it? Judging people who have wronged me? Where do I sign up? But take care not to miss the responsibility implied here regarding our earthly ministries. Here on earth, we are God's witnesses, spreading the gospel message of sinners saved through Christ. And on Judgment Day, we will also be witnesses, judging with Christ our neighbors, our friends, our family, our co-workers, our acquaintances, judging those who we have preached the gospel to and who despised it. That sounds a lot more serious now, doesn't it? Therefore, may we be faithful witnesses in our lives as we look forward to that day when we will get glorified in heaven. Jesus says, Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. And so, may the Spirit lead us to lay up treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, neither do thieves break in and steal. As we look forward to the glorification of our earthly bodies on Judgment Day, May we lay up these heavenly treasures assured to us for Christ's sake and proclaim that good news of salvation from day to day to as many as will hear it. And that's it. That is God's guide to goodness. Step one, get honest about yourself. The rich young ruler failed to do this. Recognize your own sinful depravity and that left to your own devices, we would have no hope of eternal life. Having done that, get educated about God, about his perfect standard, and how that standard was lived up to for us by Jesus Christ. Get educated by being in the word of God daily, where we are shown the abundance of God's mercy toward mankind, how Jesus came to seek and to save the lost just like you and me. And finally, get glorified. Rejoice in the glorification that awaits all believers in our Lord. And as we await this glorification, let us follow Christ's example and be faithful witnesses in meekness and gentleness, knowing that many who are first will be last, and the last first. Am I a good person? Short answer is no. I, like you, am not a good person. In fact, I am decidedly a bad person and an enemy of Christ by nature. But thanks be to Christ who has given us the victory over sin, death, and the devil 
and who even now sits at the right hand of the Father, ready to intercede for us every time that we come before him for forgiveness. Trust in the impossible and incomprehensible love of God that has been shown to us, confident in Jesus' words, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Amen. Please rise. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.